Hi everyone, my name is Pete Finn and this is the COVID-19 and Democracy podcast. I hope you all had a nice Easter break. Um, I certainly was nice to check out for a couple of weeks. Um, this week on the podcast, we are returning to, um, well, I guess, apart from Ukraine, what is the biggest story in British politics, um, which is Partygate. Um, and we've touched on various different aspects of Partygate before and kind of related discussions around standards in public life. And we are today going to focus um, mostly on the politics of Partygate. And on the podcast today to discuss that with me is a regular on the podcast. Now, normally, uh, Rob Ledger is our, not, not in Berlin because he doesn't live in Berlin, but our, almost our man in Berlin, um, who helps us navigate the German politics of the pandemic, which has been endlessly fascinating. Um, but Rob is also, um, in his other academic life, a expert in the history and the politics of the Conservative Party. So that is rather brilliant for us. So Rob, thanks for coming on again, and thanks for coming on to discuss um, the Partygate. Thanks for having me. Good to be right. back. Oh, oh, and listeners, I should just say, uh, before uh, me and Rob start talking, um, my son, who is like, obsessed with technology, has built me a studio. <laughs> I'm not kidding, he's seven, he's built my studio. So I'm recording this from my newly built studio by my kid. So thank you to him. Um, okay, Rob, um, for some context in terms of British politics, what are some previous scandals that we can that can help us frame or think about where Partygate might sit in, in a broader context? There was a couple of uh, scandals that kind of sp uh, spring to mind involving particularly the Conservative Party. If you go back to the 1990s and John Major, this was the kind of era of sleaze. Um, and maybe one of the more serious uh, scandals in, in that decade was the Cash for Questions uh, scandal, which actually ended in a prison sentence uh, for one minister, Jonathan Aitken, for perjury. Um, but then with a Conservative Prime Minister, uh, West, the Westland scandal also came to mind in, in the mid-1980s when um, Margaret Thatcher was accused of um, dishonesty and, and leaking legal advice um, in a pretty kind of obscure uh, issue over a helicopter contract, but um, Thatcher was cleared of that, so I, I hasten to add. Um, then we've also got um, a Labour Prime Minister, Tony Blair, who was um, also alleged to be involved in a cash for honours uh, scandal at, towards the end of his uh, time in office. He was also cleared after being um, interviewed by the police. Um, there are a couple of other new Labour scandals. Um, Peter Mandelson, one spring to mind there. Um, and then a more general scandal that kind of got many politicians into trouble about actually maybe had the, the biggest longer term effects was the, the expenses scandal uh, back in 2009 uh, with, with a lot of MPs bending or breaking the rules uh, to do with expenses. Um, so yeah, a few, there's, there's quite a few uh, political scandals to, to choose from, but to have a prime minister actually found to have broken the law and lied about it and tried to cover it up um, is, is pretty uh, unprecedented, I think. Yeah, sure. Um, if anyone does, if anyone's interested in the um, expenses scandal, then do check out. It, it, it was the Telegraph that got the, the, they got a CD, didn't they, with all of the stuff on it. And they 
like just did some great journalism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kudos, yeah. kudos to the uh, Telegraph in that regard. Like it ran for months. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, very good. And uh, I mean, in um, scandals, the, the role of the media and the drip drip element, I think, plays such a major role. The fact that those expenses stories were released over it seemed like there was a different one every couple of days for months from the telegraph um and this current one is not exactly the same but the fact that it's lasting so long and there was more and more um you know exclusives about um different i think it was the itn guy who particularly um uh was particularly on top of this story was yeah it's uh really interesting uh, the media's role yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The media, of, I mean, it, it's a, um, uh, there's so many, it's almost like writes itself why it's an interesting story. So you don't have to, it's not, I mean, and that, the, the Peter Manderson scandal you mentioned, that was, if I remember rightly, it's like a complex thing about mm. mortgages. And it was, yeah. you know, like it was reading, like reading about the CDOs and, and the financial crisis and yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, exactly. the, what, what is it like the spreads and stuff. But, you know, when Helen Thompson starts talking about spreads, I'm like, oh, wow, brilliant. But I don't really understand what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the, um, the expenses scandal and this, this Partygate scandal are so obvious that you don't have to write the kind of explainer pieces why this is important. Um, okay. So how have the, so there's like a, there's like a general assertion and general thought in British politics that the Tory party is quite ruthless in getting rid of their leaders. Um, is, is that true? Do they, do they kind of deal with those that seem like they're imperiled or they might imperil them electorally quite ruthlessly or is that not quite the case? Yeah, I, I mean, that is what they say about conservative um, party leaders and, and of the party being ruthless about um, changing leader. But I think that's maybe only, you know, half, half the case. It's um, in terms of scandals, the record is, is pretty mixed. So, um, I mean, Thatcher did wobble in 1986 after Westland, but went on to win the election the following year and was kind of, you know, hailed as this successful leader. Going back further, uh, in history, there was the Profumo scandal in the 1960s, which did weaken the Tory government, but it didn't, didn't you know, mean a change of leader before the next election. Similarly to John Major, he was weakened by the scandals in the 90s. And although Tory MPs did move against him, I don't think it was for that reason, it was more over the issue of Europe. Um, so the, the pattern of um, Tory MPs trying to get rid of the leader, I think only really holds water when you know, a lot of MPs seats are considered to be kind of threatened. I think the 2019 ousting of Theresa May was slightly different because it contained maybe more of an ideological element because of Brexit. So yeah, the, the Conservative Party's reputation for being ruthless about the leaders is um, kind of, yeah, partly earned, I think. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be a good guide to what's happening. Uh, in this case. Okay, all right then. And so for those of you, well, um, like yourself, um, but who perhaps don't follow UK politics as closely as you you do, um, like what what is the Partygate scandal? So Partygate was, um, was a number of parties that were held in uh, 10 Downing Street, the Prime Minister's um, uh, building. Um, 
although I might add also some other government departments, but it's mainly focused on 10 Downing Street, that broke COVID-19 related restrictions. Um, so that's the kind of the, the core thing going on here. But as with most political scandals and to kind of invoke the original gate, Watergate and, and Richard Nixon, it's the, it's the cover up which is really, which animates um, a lot of the coverage um, and the, the public reaction to it and also the, the um, enthusiasm of journalists to go after, um, you know, potential lies and, and, you know, which makes matters worse and provides fuel for the scandal. So that's, um, yeah, the, the basic the basic thing that's going on here, um, parties against the, the pandemic restrictions. Okay, yeah, I think you've just um, named, named the episode, it's the cover up that will get you. And that is, <laughs> that is I mean, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, that in this instance, I mean, it is, that's what they you lied to Parliament, and that's what that if, if Johnson goes over this certainly before the May elections, then it'll be it'll be over that, right? Um, yeah. Okay, um, and so um, what? So it's about the parties, and what like what does it involve? Is this like a single party, or is it? Is it do we know exactly? It's um well the. The, the police and uh, a report, which is led by a civil servant, Sue Gray, uh, are investigating numerous parties. And um, I think the civil servant uh, report was looking at more than the police, but yes, numerous, um, potentially, I mean, potentially tens of parties there could have been, but um, I think they've only been able to pin down about 10, that might be, might be wrong there, but uh, yeah, so it's more than one party and the, the scope of the parties are different. You've got some which are kind of, the one we saw um, last week in the news was kind of a, a birthday party, um, like a, a brief birthday party, apparently two people bringing in suitcases of uh, alcohol and, and kind of running amok in the garden of, of uh, Downing Street. So they kind of vary in their kind of, uh, you know, their frivolity. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And so I suppose this is an obvious question in some senses, but um, like what, why, why does it matter? What's the why? What's the why here? Why, why are we all talking about this? So I think the, um, for the, you know, the, the core coverage in the, in the news is because during the pandemic, uh, there were restrictions on basically meeting anyone, including close family and friends, let alone work colleagues. They're very strict. People have been, you know, fined in some instances thousands of pounds. Here, students having parties and getting really hefty fines. Um, heard about people not being able to see each other for long periods of time, and you know, more distressingly, when loved ones are in hospital and even at funerals and kind of, you know, stories, you know, really sad stories like that. So as a result, the, the politicians who were writing these laws, they were pretty draconian, were not following themselves. And what's worse, potentially even enjoying themselves in the process that, you know, in a time that was pretty miserable for most of the general public, has caused, well, disquiet might be, to put it mildly, probably outrage is a better term, because you hear things um, people kind of you know discussing in the, in the media, 
uh, it's run one rule for us, it's one rule for them kind of situation. Um, and because the pandemic has affected everybody one way or another, um, which some of the other scandals we mentioned earlier just didn't, they were kind of pre-niche, you know, needed long explainers. Um, this is something which kind of viscerally has kind of affected um, everybody. So to see the people in charge um, not following the, the, the rules that the vast majority of other people have is, I think, that's given it its kind of potency. Okay, yeah. Um, and so what happened last week? Um, the, the, part of the Parliament actually on recess. Um, and so, you know, you know <laughs> Easter, it's the first Easter for three years, right, where people have had general freedom in the UK. Um, certainly anywhere like, you know, not, <laughs> but certainly the first one, April 2020, barely any, and then last year uh, a bit more, but nothing kind of like normality. And then this one, much more so. Um, so what happens in, in, in amongst all of that? Um, well, just, um, I just thought of something actually when you were saying that the role of the Met Police as a kind of sidebar is like a whole a whole other interview it's that they released these information when parliament was in recess it's just unbelievable some of the um kind of the, the actions of the method is kind of a, a bit um uh, confusing but suffice to say um boris johnson and rishi sunak received a fine from the met for one party from summer 2020 um and they had fixed penalty uh, notices um, and although both said they won't resign, um, and many Tory MPs and ministers have tried to pay down the fines, um, obviously this, this has kind of made a few headlines. Um, this is one party, there could be more to follow, more fines. Um, and the way that this is playing out in public opinion is a little bit difficult to track. I mean, apart from uh, you see that the Conservatives seem to take a, a dent in the opinion poll every time a story about party gate resurfaces. Um, so it's yeah, basically a fine for uh, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor of the Exchequer, which is you know pretty um, pretty mind-boggling, and somewhat of a muted response. And this is kind of running into this week now. Now Parliament's back from recess. Okay, great. Um, and. So looking forward, I mean, what could this mean for Boris Johnson? I mean, there's various aspects to it, right? There's the kind of the the, the palace intrigue of is is Rishi Sunak plotting to take over Boris, and and uh, there's been some pretty embarrassing revelations about him. Well, not him necessarily, but um, his wife's um, tax uh, status, and so uh, and. And that, and that seems to, at least in the short term, to put pay for his leadership ambitions. Um, but what, so what could this mean for kind of Boris Johnson, Rishi Sunak, the Conservative Party? I think with, um, firstly, for Rishi Sunak, I think this, the last couple of weeks have, have seriously damaged his uh, brand, so to speak, as, uh, as, a, as a seemingly fresh face with with integrity as a kind of juxtaposition to the prime minister. Um, but coming soon after the, the, the fine coming soon after the Dom and green card stories as you uh, 
alluded to there, um, as, as certainly put him in a weaker position. And I would have thought the likelihood that he is reshuffled in the summer, or if there's more bad headlines that he could even resign, I think's increased. However, Boris Johnson is clearly going to try and brazen this out. And the only way he's going to be removed is by a vote of no confidence by Conservative MPs and then a leadership campaign or by the public at the uh, an election. For the Conservative Party, I think that's also interesting and complicated because you know, traditionally you'd have thought, um, or it was, uh, kind of the you know, a party full of rule of law establishment types. Uh, but judging by the media statements in the last week, weeks and months, the, the party currently is much more populist and seemingly not particularly anchored in principles such as good governance and the rule of law. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And there's lots of other things probably um, that will determine uh, the fate of, of Boris Johnson and, and uh, the party. Okay, so we're going to ask you, before we wrap up, to look into your crystal ball. Um, so you get by if you're completely wrong, like we all know. <laughs> but in, looking forward now, do you, like, do you think Boris Johnson survives in the long term? For those for like those who don't follow UK politics, we've got UK elections, local elections, just about three weeks away. Um, so if you are in the UK and you're not registered to vote, register to vote and get <laughs> get your ballot. But um, does um, does Boris Johnson survive in the long term and always do you think the May elections could bring him down? I think he probably will survive um, and I'd be surprised if well he will survive until the next election I would have thought and I'd be surprised if the the local elections in May move the dial much because at the moment it requires Conservative MPs to do something to kind of um, try and force him out of office and I can kind of already hear or actually have heard some of the, the reasoning if the Conservatives don't do very well in the local elections such as there was only a certain amount of seats in place that weren't very proportionate, there's a low turnout, it's normal for a mid-term government to kind of not be doing very well in these kind of elections. However, um, on the flip side, Partygate could be a contributing factor if other problems start to really cause, um, you know, a decline in support for the government. So I think the biggest one is gonna be inflation and cost of living issues, because um, similarly to the party gate scandal, it's affected everybody. So probably everyone's got an opinion about it, but if you're paying more uh, every month for energy bills and you're earning comparatively less and your groceries and, you know, X, Y, and Z are costing more, you'll, you'll know about that. So I think that's the thing that could work really significantly against him. Also adding to that some by-election defeats. I think there will be a couple of by-elections coming along in the next few months. And if they all feed into declining opinion polls, there is still a chance that Tory MPs will try and oust um, Johnson before the next election. But um, I mean, my predictions are always wrong. I should caveat that. But um, uh, if if I had to put money on it, I would say that um, 
he will survive to the next election, which will probably be towards the end of the kind of his five year term. OK, all right. Well, Rob, um, thank you very much indeed for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you and um, we shall. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, moving forward, it feels like it's got some way, some way to run. Um, thanks. Great, thank you. And uh, yeah, nice to speak to you. Thanks for having me back on.